morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Stoke Meter. And the, the only word that I can think of right now is I'm humbled uh, to have our next guest uh, on, on the show, uh, Jason Brown. Jason Brown is one of the coolest people you could ever meet. And when we talk about him a little bit more, you'll see why. He is the founder of First Fruits Farm Ministry. You're wondering, what in the world is the First Fruits Farm Ministry? The other thing that you have to know about Jason is that he was also in the NFL. Matter of fact, not just in the NFL, but he was one of the, actually, you were the highest paid center ever in the NFL up to up to 2009, if I recall, right? And right. absolutely amazing. And then you gave it all up because you felt inspired uh, to start a farm to help other people. Is that about the gist of it? Yes, in a nutshell, leading up to it, but um, there's so many twists and turns along the way. And of course, uh, being a farmer, it's a story of faith. Oh yeah. yeah, there is no doubt about it. And I I couldn't help but be inspired by all of the things that led up to that, that made you who you are as an individual, but then living up to the calling. Uh, it just, it blows my mind, man. <laughs> but again, thank you for being on the show. I know that was a long introduction, but let's just jump right into it if that's okay. <laughs> so you're in the NFL. Um, you're in North Carolina in college, and I, it's everyone's dream. Uh, I have a good buddy who is an agent to a number of folks in the NFL, and I know it's a it's a dream for everyone to get into, right? And I'm just wondering, what was it like as you prepared for the NFL? You got there. What, what was that journey um, like, especially studying your your family, really strong family unit, the whole bit. But what was that like to get to the NFL? So, yeah, getting there is one thing and then staying there is another. Um, but, uh, it's, of course, incredibly hard work, you know, sacrifice, um, you know, de dedication. But because, yeah, you're competing at the, the highest level. Um, in the world, okay, um, it's, it's one of those things where, yes, it's um, you not only have to be an elite athlete, but you also have to be on your A game literally every single day because uh, they usually say the NFL stands for not for long because, <laughs> because every single year the NCAA college system is producing thousands of, of young, talented athletes that want to then come and, and take your job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, it, the grind, right? I mean, just listening to the grind, listening to everything that you're, you're doing from a dietary, from weights, from conditioning. And uh, oh my goodness, man, I, I can't even imagine it. Uh, there's another thing that I had read though, that you were, you, as the money came, started living large, just like anyone will, right? It started living large. But there was a point um, that you started feeling, this isn't me. <laughs> this, this isn't me. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind delving into that, of what made you realize, gosh, I, this has been great. I've re got my goal, but this isn't me, man. So, yeah, so... I started out, you know, from humble beginnings, but but then um, you always say that, uh, okay, yeah, when, when you make it to the big leagues, it's kind of like a cliche. All right, you know, you, you're going to be the same person, right? You know, you're not going to forget about who you were and, and where you came from. And uh, to to a point there, I started really, man, enjoying that lifestyle to, to the fullest. Okay, right. and, and just things that were outside of my like outside of my character things that I would have never done but it's it, it's those things that you know from a kid you know you, you grow up watching MTV Cribs and you're like wow that would be cool right <laughs> and just you know just started doing all of this crazy stupid stuff all right like I did buy a MTV crib style you know mansion it was it was 12,000 square feet um it was 
it, it, it was ridiculous. And um, and then you start to believe the lies, you know, that that people say that, oh, you know, you're you're such a a, a great person, you know, you're you're doing this, um, you know, and, and and you have to be very careful because um, you know your flesh and your pride, you know, get, gets in the way. And um, I, I was really um, getting far away from yeah my my upbringing, you know, faith and and family, you know, growing up in, in the church. Um, you know, understanding and realizing the, the importance of, of family. Um, and I, I really lost my, my path a little bit. Man, man, what, I just wonder what brought you back to realization that brought you back to the, uh, your foundation, <laughs> lack of a better question, awful question, but yeah, what brought you back to that foundation? So, so one of my biggest wake up calls, um, is, uh, my older brother, um, whom seven years older than me, I love more so than anything in the world, Lunsford Bernard Brown II. And uh, unfortunately, uh, in the middle of my college career, uh, he was slain in service, serving our country over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and so that rocked me to my core um, when I was 20 years old. And honestly, it, it pulled the rug from underneath me because... If someone that you love can be taken from you just like that, then I was like, man, what's the point of any of this? All right. Like what, what, what's, what's not. And so actually I thought about quitting football and I thought about dropping out of school and just, man, because I, I went to a, a very deep, dark place of, of depression. All right. Just, you know, losing my older brother. Mm-hmm. But, but one thing that kept me going was, um, knowing how much he cared about my, my, my success. Um, and he was just always pouring encouragement and wisdom into me um, and saying, hey, Jason, look, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did you know, in, in school. Look, you need to be on the AB honor roll. You need to be an honor student. Uh, you're going to be a, a, a better man than me. Look, you're going to do so much. And literally like he was a second father figure to me, right? And, and you know what I said? What pulled me out of that ditch was knowing that I can honor his memory and I can honor his legacy by the life that I live. And, mm-hmm. and so um, he was slain by, it was a mortar explosion and um, a mortar came down and hit their tent. They were stationed outside the prison outside of Abu Ghraib and the shrapnel um, uh, pierced his dog tags all right, right there where his heart was. Um, and his wife, Cherie, gave me um, not the, the one that was most intact. She gave me the dog tag that was the worst, the, the one where a piece of shrapnel pierced all the way through it, and it was jagged and pointy-edged on, on one side. And let me tell you what I did uh, for the rest of my college career. Um, at 20 years old, and then going into my my NFL football career, I would wear his dog tag every single day, and I never took it off. And I would wear it uh, jagged and pointy edge, turns turn inside, so that when I put on my tight shoulder pads and I put on my tight jersey, I could feel it literally pricking a hole like right there where my heart was. And and guess what? That was my constant reminder that I have no right to throw a pity party, okay? Oh, um, I, I have no right to complain about anything. I have no right to, to even quit, uh, okay? And, and, and so uh, when I went out there to practice, when I went out there during the games, um, that's what I took with me. I, I took my brother, uh, literally, I took his dog tag with me um, and, and that is what gave me inspiration and, and motivation to get out there and whoop some tail. Right. <laughs> field. But, but most people, uh, nobody knew that that source of inspiration and motivation actually came from a dark place. Okay. But because I, I was grieving. All right. And, and I was hurting and, and, well, thankfully, football gives you an outlet to go beat up on people, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and so it propelled me, you know, 
to, to an awesome career, uh, drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in the fourth round, uh, played there for four years. And then in free agency, which we were talking about my, my contract, yeah. I signed the highest earning contract for a center at the time with the St. Louis Rams. And, and so that that's pretty awesome. So for my position, I was valued like the, the highest, you know, rated player in, in the national football league. But, but guess what? Um, my wake up call is, is now, now I'm enjoying life. Um, uh, I'm enjoying it to the fullest. Okay. I have that stupid mansion. You know, I have all of these classic cars. Yeah. I'm one of the cool kids. Okay. And I wake up one morning and uh, walk into my, my bathroom, which is, yeah, like literally the size of like my bedroom right now, just huge. And I look in the mirror and I wipe the crust from my eyes and I didn't like what I saw. Um, but, and I should have been happy for myself because it was my birthday. I had turned 27 years old, okay? <laughs> but guess what? It was the same age that Lunsford was when he was slain service. And so seven years had passed from when I was a junior in, in college, and now I'm at the highest heights of my, my NFL football career. Seven years had passed, and I began to measure up everything that I had accomplished in my life over 27 years and everything Lunsford had accomplished in his life. And guess what? Dude, there was no comparison. Um, he wore a size 14 shoe. I wear a size 16 shoe, but guess what? <laughs> But guess what? Hey, I, I still I, I wasn't worthy of wearing his shoes, nor could could I even even think about walking a mile in his shoes. Because you know, to keep things in, in perspective, look, I, I I'm an athlete. I, I'm playing a sport. I'm playing football, right? And and at no time am I out there on the football field and have to worry about bullets dodging past my head or, or a mortar explosion or, or or shedding my own blood, right? Uh, so let's just keep things in, in perspective. And, and and so the kicker is, is that a lot of people say that Lunsford and I look alike, especially when we smile. And I literally saw his reflection look right back at me in the mirror. And and he shamed the mess out of me, okay? <laughs> like, like big, big brother, big brother came back from the grave to literally like, yeah, pricked me in the heart one more time. And he said, Jason, what are you doing with your life that, that's so great? Like, Jason, what are you doing with your life that's so special? Because yeah, I was living a life of, of entertainment and sports and he had lived a life of, of service. And and even, and, and yeah, 27, it, it, it's not that old, you know, um, not, not that long of a life, but guess what? It's not about the quantity, but, but the quality and, and the impact and the difference that he made. And, and from that point forward, I said, I, I, I gotta make a change. Um, and, and, and now also, even though it was through my brother, that was also like one of my coming to Jesus moments, yeah. right? Where, where, you know, where God literally used my own uh, life experiences and circumstances to like, <laughs> really really wake me up and give me a wake-up call all right and and so um I, I really started looking much more towards service and, and sacrifice uh after that well what i think is interesting is you know i this isn't an uncommon story up to this well except for your brother i, I want to pay homage to him but the story of people making it to the highest level whether it's the nfl or the nba and then realizing that they want to give back and they want to provide service. There's a lot of, you know, that you hear that story quite a bit and a lot of them will kind of pivot a little bit and maybe do some community service and they'll start donating to, you know, to different causes and that type of stuff. Your story is where it takes a hard right turn. <laughs> I mean, like, like how did, kind of guide us through that part of the story now because we're kind of to a point where you had a decision to make you're looking in the mirror and you could have just as easily kept kept moving forward in the nfl and you could have still provided with the resources that you had you know you could have fulfilled that service calling i think 
very easily and still led a very comfortable life. You could have downsized that mansion. You could have, you know, done that type of stuff and be, be true to yourself. How did you end up doing what you're doing? So, all right. So, you know, uh, I'm a control freak. All right. Just, just a, <laughs> a control freak. And, and one thing is that I, I always, you learned how to, you know, be obedient and, and submit my, um, and, and submit myself to my coaches. All right. My coach tells me to do something. I'm gonna go out and do it. All right. Um, but when it came to my faith and, and my walk with, with, uh, with Christ, um, you know, look, loving thy neighbor, all right, like you love yourself and, and you know what, going out of your way to, you know, to, you know, show compassion towards strangers and, and people. And so I was like, look, I, I don't have any time for that. But guess what? Um, when, when, when the humility stepped in um, and, and I told my wife, I said, look, you know, we've come this far and, you know, we've re really, you know, gotten away from what's important, faith and family. And I told her, I said, look, never again are we going to make decisions for our family based on the almighty dollar. I, I said, you know, we have to do what's best for, for faith and our family. And we have to trust God. Whatever that means, we have to trust God. All right. And, and so I stepped out on a ledge here. And it's a, it's a dangerous question. All right. A very dangerous question. And, and it's that ultimate, like Jesus take the wheel moment that nobody wants to let go of that full control. But here's what I said. I said, all right, God, with everything that you've given me, with all of the gifts, the talents, the, the blessings, the resources, with everything that you've given me, what would you have me to do more so than anything else to make a difference in the world that we live in today to, to make an impact, you know, to, to honor you and also to show love towards uh, our neighbors and build up our communities. And guess what? Uh, the, the same, uh, you know, story that the Paul Harvey, you know, stories. So God made a farmer. That was my, my pivot point. All right. God made a farmer out of me. Uh, okay. And, and that was the answer. You know, he, he, he said, I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to feed my people. And and not just, you know, like a regular church pastor, like, you know, beating somebody across the head with, with the Bible and, 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 you know, having a good sermon, but but literally um, being the hands and the feet and, and making a difference, okay? And so I told my mother, I said, mom, I'm going to retire from football and I'm going into full-time ministry. And she was like, what? Like, like, so are you going to come back home and start a church? I said, no. I said, of course not. <laughs> All right. Like, I thought that, that I said, there's like way too many churches out here that aren't, aren't doing it right. Okay. I said, you know, if anything, it's going to be a church without walls and, and like, we're going to get out there. We're just going to make a difference. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, so every kid grows up in school. And, and we're told that the three biggest, you know, constant, you know, needs in life that someone needs is, is food, clothing, and, and shelter. But you know what? If you live in Southern California or, or Miami, you know, Florida, guess what? You, you can get away without having too many clothes. Um, and uh, you might not, you can get away with possibly staying outside for a couple of days. But one thing that everybody on this earth is going to need is everybody's going to be hungry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, everybody needs food and not just any food, but of course, good food, uh, qu quality food. And, and so here's what I still did selfishly. Okay. So I did something selfishly. All right. Uh, I got to admit, um, when, when God told me, you know, he was showing me about, you know, food insecurity and, and hunger and all. So I got in my truck, I, I ran down to Sam's club and, I, I bought a whole bunch of non-perishable food items and canned goods, brought them back to my house and stocked up our pantry. And I was like, okay, all right, we're, we're prepared for the zombie apocalypse, right? <laughs> came down on me so hard. He said, look, Jason, I haven't been blessing you all this time for my blessings to stop at you. I've been blessing you so that my blessings flow through you. Oh, all right. man. Wow. And, and, and so I was like, okay, so you don't want me 
to go out and, and buy food or, or purchase food. Like this is not about money. Um, you actually want me to do it. Like, so, so the same way that in the trenches um, on the football field in NFL, God wanted me on the trenches um, on the farm field. Okay. Like growing fruits and vegetables. And, and here's my last reservation. I was like, but because I, I put myself out there, all right, and, and I asked the question, I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But then it became so overwhelming because I said, hold on a second, like, this, is, this isn't what I went to college for. Like, I, I don't know anything about agriculture or, or farming. And, and, and so I started making a few excuses. Um, but, but guess what, guys, like, agriculture has been around for thousands of years, okay? Um, it, it's so simple. A caveman can do it. All right. Now, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. All right. Um, uh, I've made more, more mistakes and I've had more failures um, than I can shake a stick at. Um, and so there's been a lot of trial and error learning. Um, I've stayed up watching countless YouTube videos uh, until night, one o'clock in the morning. And then and then um, our local uh, ag extension agents pulled me aside and said, hey, don't you know that there's people out here that can help you? Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that our job is to help local farmers. And I'm like, really? Like, you are? And I'm like, and, and so um, one area in my pride that I really had to set aside was thinking that I was big enough and, and strong enough to, to do it all by myself. And, and guess what? Um, it, that's not going to work. Like, like you, you have to um, rely on your, your farming friends, uh, so, so many resources, our ag extension agents. Um, you got to set your pride aside, but because guess what? Um, nature will humble you really quick. Yes, uh, it will. <laughs> uh, and, and, so, and so with my ego, um, it, it, here, here is my ego, okay, guys? Um, my wife and I, we said, okay, uh, our marriage was our first covenant. So whatever land we purchase, we're going to name it First Fruits Farm, and we're going to grow food, all right, to, to, to feed the needy. And we're going to give the first fruits of whatever is grown from the land. And, and here's what I'm thinking. Okay, all right. I'm farming for Jesus. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm growing vegetables. You know what I mean? And, and I thought that I was, I, I was immune and, and bulletproof. And that's also because our very first harvest, it was a bumper crop, like an outstanding success um, of, of sweet potatoes. I'm talking about faith that can move mountains of sweet potatoes. Um, but, but here's what happened the, the very next year, uh, because look, it rains on the just and the unjust. All right. The very <laughs> next year, we, we had a drought. All right. Oh, um, yeah. And, and also, also, I, I guess the deer, uh, the deer population that they said, Hey guys, there, there's this dumb football player over here. <laughs> okay. And, oh, I dropped my phone there. Sorry. <laughs> when I say that there was an army of deer there <laughs> just to eat and nibble at every single new growth of my vines that came about. And, and on top of that, these deer are just so trifling that they'll paw up a sweet potato, take a nibble of it, and then say, uh, I'm going to go dig up another one. And, and so, <laughs> dude, all right, so the air, so deer can use just about anything. So the air cannons, like, don't work, all right? Uh, me being out there, you can get a nuisance permit, but guess what? You're out there to, like, so, so look, I came up with a genius idea. Of, of having a, a motion detector, all right? A motion detector hooked up to one of those um, wild, wacky, inflatable, flailing arms. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time 
time the motion detector uh, sense a deer trying to creep through the field, it would, you know, turn on and, and that wild, wacky, inflatable, flailing arm man would, would just <laughs> arms around. And then I said, guess what? I've got to add some sound to it as well. And, and so I had a radio out there to just blast music. So that combination with the movement as well as the music, I said, that's surely going to get him. But guess what? <laughs> Deer can get used to just about anything. <laughs> and, and after a month, after a month, let me tell you what happened. Um, they would come out there to nibble and the motion detector would, would catch them and the music would start playing. But guess what? Now the deer, they stayed out there eating, but now the deer are dancing to the music like, thanks for all the music that you gave us so we can eat up all of your crops. And um, so guys, so, so that second year, uh, it was supposed to have been in excess of 200,000 pounds of sweet potatoes. And we only harvested 30,000 pounds, okay? Oh, man. And, but let me tell you what, um, I, me, um, I, I felt like a, a failure. I, I felt like I, I felt like God has forsaken me. <laughs> What's going on here? All right. And and then you know all of the other veteran farmers around me, they're like, "Hey, dude, hey, that that's just another year." All right, hey, get get your planner back together. Uh, you know, strategize for next year and and to get ready to get back out there. And I'm like, really? They're like, uh, yeah. Like, come on now. And so look, the same thing with football. Look, I had some years where we had an awesome winning record. We made it to the playoffs. And then other years, oh, it was horrible. All right. <laughs> so, so, some other years, you can count how many games we won on, on one hand. And, and when you go out in the public, all of the fans are, are shaming you like, come on, you need to do better. And, <laughs> but, but you know what? I... I took this to heart um, even more so than, than playing football because you know what, you know, those fans, those spectators, you know, it, 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 I'm there to entertain them. All right. And, and I'm not a robot. You know, I, I'm, I'm, we're going to have a bad day every once in a while, but, but for this, I, I really took it to heart because I said, you know, that's going to be, you know, food that we're not going to be able to get to a needy family. Yeah. You, you see yeah, yeah, it's different. So, so yeah. I have to ask Jason. First of all, describe the neighborhood you grew up with, just real quick. Where'd you grow up? So uh, it was out in the rural parts a little bit. My parents had invested in, in forty acres of land, but it was still not not farming. So my father grew a couple of you know fruit and nut trees. Uh -huh. um, it wasn't until I went to college that he tried to get a few chickens, you know, here and there. And so he was a landscaper by trade. He, you know, uh, did a little bit of gardening here and there, um, but nothing on the scale of what we're doing yeah. um, on a big farm, you know, right yeah. now, the big difference. And, and, did, you so, own, did, did you own so much as a house plant yourself growing up? Oh, you make yeah. it sound so easy, like, oh, yeah, yeah, anybody can grow it. Caveman can do it. I'm like, I know better, oh. man. <laughs> so now my mother... Um, she has a green thumb, all right? So yeah. she like these vining house plants that are older than I am, all right? Like literally like more than three years old. And and when you're walking through the house, it's like little shop of horrors. Where <laughs> we have a plant over here and a house plant over there and they're hanging from the ceiling. And then and then she dares you. She's like, don't don't step on that vine right there. And I'm like, where? And and you look down and like you're accidentally stepping on a vine or and, she's like, oh. <laughs> and, and so my mother knows how to tend to a garden, okay? And and not to overwater, not to underwater. My mother is the only one that can take a, a poinsettia from Christmas and keep it alive like for a whole year. And, and, yeah. Okay. Um and my father, you know, he had a green thumb out, outside of the house as well. Um, but for me, um, man, it, it was just I, I saw the I saw the joys of of growing things. 
um, stepping right outside of our house, some of those fruit trees that, that he had, um, I saw the miracle of, of food being grown on trees and, and asking my mom for a snack. And she's like, take your tail outside, go get an apple off the tree. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you know, what? It, it sounds so simple. Um, but, but yet more people should, should do it. Like literally every, every home in America, if you have a, a small yard or a big yard, everyone should participate in, in, in our food system. Oh, you yeah. know, big, agree more. everyone should be able to realize the fruits of their labor. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to pivot another, another way here for, I want to talk about Tay. Tay is man. I, I love Tay. I've, I've only inter- interviewed, I mean, not interview. I've, I've only um, emailed with her, but you can, you could tell that woman is spunky. <laughs> I love it. And so accomplished as well. I mean, she, a dentist from Duke University, for heck's sake, man. Uh, just uh, just the smarts and just the, the class, the whole bit. And looking at what you two have built and the things that you have overcome, just t- go into that a little bit of what that's meant to you to do all this together, the things that you've been able to overcome and, and accomplish together and what that's meant to you. So guys, so um, most people look at me, you know, big brawny football player and, and they give me most of the credit, but they have no idea that that, that little woman, that, that's my wife, you better watch out. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, like, so we have eight beautiful children now, ages. Uh, our oldest is, is 14 years old. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, let me close that. All right. There we go. We're back on. I'm, our oldest is 14 years old, all the way down to two years old, and stair-step all in between. And, and look, I tell people, you think I'm the strong one. I didn't birth all those babies, okay? But, like, she's the strong one, okay? Like, she's the glue that, that's holding it all together. Um, you know, she, she's, you know, she's the doctor dentist, yeah. um, people, you know, now that we're on a farm, so she's kept her license and she still practices one to two days a week just to keep up with her skills. I mean, that, that was a tremendous, you know, sacrifice for that. Um, but you know, people that don't know our background story, they're like, oh yeah, she, she's just a, a farm wife. Like, no, no. like <laughs> she's so much more. And, and now that we have a, a beautiful barn, um, a, a venue, you know, to help us to sustain the farm and our family um, and hosting more than 40 weddings a year, uh, which is beautiful, by the way, guys. Uh, yeah, visit Amazing Graze, G-R-A-Z-E. So it's a play on words there, AmazingGrazeBarn.com. And, and you can see, man, like it, it's a just awesome, beautiful venue. And and she's helping to you know coordinate and run that as well. I'm just the farmer, okay? I, I, I'm just the farmhand, all right? The, the grunt, the muscle, you know, get, getting it done, like offensive lineman, right? Uh, but she, you know, she plays quarterback, you know, most times, um, and, and you know, taking lead on, on a lot of things. And and, and so, um, when I I wrote my book, I couldn't hear what oh. you said. Apologize. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> listening. <laughs> like, I say, hey, stay out of my conversation, Siri. Okay. <laughs> I wrote my book, uh, Centered, which, if I were to tell you all the awesome stories, guys, like, we'd be here for hours, okay? Yeah. Uh, but this is my, my uh, selfish plug Centered, trading your plans. For a life that matters, all right, by Jason Brown, um, and also, if you're not that big of a reader, guess what? Uh, they allowed me, okay, which is a really big deal. They allowed me to uh, record the audio book in my voice. Oh um, yeah, that's and, awesome. And so, that's pretty awesome. So look, so I tell people, I'm like, look, if you're going on a long road trip, man, download the audio book and and play that thing. Uh, or if you want me to read you a bedtime story, <laughs> got you. Okay, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Centered, and what a great title. 
Well, and I love the, 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 the following phrase, trading your plans for a life that matters. And the reason I brought up Tay, it wasn't that she was a dentist. She had an incredible successful practice. And when, when you look at what you did, you had an incredible successful career. So when you read that title, trading your plans for a life that matters, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people understand how big of a sacrifice that that was. Uh, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was huge. But what I what I appreciated about reading a lot of both of your stories is that willingness to put it all on the on the table for 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 that life of purpose has led to some incredible things. I mean, you since this has started, I, I heard that you you have donated two million pounds of potatoes, two million, man. It's close. Well, not not two. It's close. So we're well over one million. I say about right now about one point five. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. I'm I'm just thinking how many people that that is served, and then looking at this trading everything for that life of purpose. Man, it's it's unbelievable, and it's it, it sounds like it's even strengthened not only you as individuals, but you as a as a marriage companionship too. I'm wondering if you could delve into that a little bit too. So when you look, um, when you start working um, in something and towards something where, where you as a, as a couple um, can, can, can come together. All right. So when I was challenged in, in football, um, no matter what differences, you know, I might've had with some of my teammates, Okay, because uh, just to be honest, guess what? You didn't always get along with all your teammates. Yeah. But when it was a time when we were playing against the big rival, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, or we're playing against the New England Patriots, and yeah, everybody hates Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> um, so guess what? You there is such a big challenge ahead of you that look whatever grievances you have whatever unforgiveness you have, whatever differences, you set that aside and say, hey, look, we got to go out here and we got to whoop some tail. And the only way we're going to win is that we we got to be hip to hip, all right? We got to be on the same page, uh, all right? Um, and, and so it's the same thing within our marriage. Look, look, we still have our ups and our downs, all right? I still get on her nerves all the time. Okay, <laughs> look. I'm gonna do something stupid that's just gonna just gonna up, upset Tay, okay? Um, and yeah, she's got her. Uh, I've got my pet peeves, and you know she does silly stuff. But there's no way that we're gonna be able to raise eight children, yeah. run a, an awesome, successful farm ministry, and a barn venue, and her still go out and 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 practice dentistry once or twice a week. Guess what, man? We gotta be on the same page. Yeah. Like, and, and, and here's the crazy thing is that the little silly stuff where we would have an, an argument and, oh, we, we'd be disgruntled with one another for, and let it fester on for days. Like now, oh, we don't have any time for that. Okay. Like, <laughs> hey, you better, you better forgive one another real quick. Hey, and, and literally we try and see how little time can go by before we're like, all right, come here, please. I apologize. Look, you know I'm stupid. Give, give me a hug and a kiss. Like, let's make up because I need you and you need me. And we got to, we're going to win this thing together. Okay. All right. We're, we, we're in it to win it. And, and so I, I just want to share this one thing right quick. So I, I dedicated the book um, centered to, to my wife, Tay. And, and it says, uh, my crown and worthy of all my love. Oh, what a blessing you are. Such a fruitful vine, and our children are your vigorous fruits. Our family flourishes because of your faithfulness. More than a helpmate, you are my armor bearer, who oftentimes fearlessly charges into battle before me, okay? <laughs> if only the world could see that you are the real hero, and I'm only a sidekick. All right. Nice. Um, and, and guess what? Like, that's what I want the world to see. Like everybody, everybody that comes to our farm, 
um, that they're like, oh, you know, the big, big former football player, Jason Brown. And I'm like, no, man, like I, I'm just a role player. OK, I, I'm just the offensive lineman. I've never been a star. OK, I, I don't need to be the star. I, I'm OK with that. Um, you know, her, uh, Tay, she, she's the real one. And so, OK, so, yes. So everything that she had to give up as well. So, of course, when we got married, I promised her everything that I would be a, an awesome husband, a good provider. Um, and yes, guess what? We both got very comfortable in, in that mansion in St. Louis. We both got very comfortable. And, and so when I asked her to leave that life comfort, okay, and she's like, what do you mean leave? Like, where are we going? I said, well, uh, <laughs> I conversations with God and see, um, uh, we're going to leave all this behind and, and move to a farm and, and, and we're going to grow food and work the farm. And she said, manual labor, like work the farm. <laughs> she said, don't you see these, these hands of mine that are insured? They are delicate instruments. All right. Like th these are not hands that are supposed to be, you know, you know, using a garden hoe or, or a shovel with, okay? Like these are for handling delicate, you know, dental instruments, okay? <laughs> and, and so I was like, man. And so guess what? I didn't argue. Um, I didn't complain. I, I just prayed, you know, I, I just prayed that Tay would, would see the same vision that God had given me. And so I said, God, everything you revealed to me, Get her, God. All right. Like, so I, I put the Holy Spirit on her. And, and here's what happened. Like two weeks later, man, like she was she was fully on board. And and he, here's there, there's been several times where she has challenged me um, when when I've you know still lost, you know, focus a, a little bit. Uh, you know, she's told me, she says, look, I know we're excited about all the food uh, and produce that we grow and we donate. Um, yeah, we have animals, you know, that we raise here on the farm as well. It, it's a big farm. It, it's awesome. A lot of responsibility. She said, but don't you ever forget that the most important thing growing on First Fruits Farm is our family. Mm -hmm. the, the love that we share mm -hmm. and our marriage between a, a husband and wife and the love that we, we pour down in, into our children. That is the most important thing growing on First Fruits Farm. And I'm like, Wow. You know what I mean? And so that's staying centered. All right. You know what I mean? You know, staying focused and, and, you know, keeping the main thing, you know, the, the main thing. Uh, another awesome story that, that I love to share. Um, and, and then you got, got to forgive me. I, I'm going to have to be stepping away here soon. But one more awesome story is, is that uh, Tay um, challenged me one more time. And that is when we were uh, in the negotiations of trying to acquire First Fruits Farm, mm. which, uh, which is the most beautiful farm in, in all of North Carolina. Uh, I can say that like unselfishly, everybody that, that's come here or, or seen it, it's, it's truly a special place, okay? But we couldn't afford it at the time because the previous owners, they had a, a huge appraisal that was more than twice as much as we could afford. But, but guess what? We, in faith, I, I submitted an offer, uh, you know, not an insulting offer, but it was like about a third of their asking price. And they came back and, and they came down just a little bit off of their really high asking price. And I'm like, okay, like somehow we got to try and meet in the middle. And, and so I came up a little bit and they came down just a little bit and we were nowhere. And I told him, I said, if we keep going up like this and they keep coming down like that, I said, there's no way we can meet in the middle. Um, I said, dear, and then we can't afford it. Um, and, and, you know, I didn't want us to go into debt as a family and take out a big mortgage note from the banks. And so I said, you know, we're just going to have to look for land elsewhere. And Tay rose up and said, Jason Brown, this, this man of God that claims that God called you away from the NFL to farm and feed his people. 
where's your faith now, Jason Brown? Huh? Where's your <laughs> like, like she called me out, okay? <laughs> because, because guess what? If I'm gonna call her away from a lifestyle of comfort and and dentistry and and being in that nice mansion, then guess what? She's gonna challenge me as well. And, and so guess what? I got teary-eyed and and my voice got all high pitched, and I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, where's my faith? And guys, I took a Sharpie and a big Sharpie and I wrote on there, final offer. I wrote on there the best that we could do, final offer, and I underlined it twice and I submitted it in faith. And they came back and said, if you can close in 30 days, the farm is yours. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and guess what? And, and I, I, I was the one that was wavering about the lose faith. And guess what? She came right at the right time to just, oh. yes. And, and so, and one thing I'll, I'll share with you guys in, in closing is, is that um, I, I've retired uh, my brother's dog tag. Okay. Um, I no longer need that, you know, that that piercing right where my heart is. Um, but because now my inspiration comes from my family, my my eight children, that every single morning, guess what? But before the roosters start crowing, oh, they, they get up too, okay? <laughs> and they're like, daddy, daddy, like daddy this, that, daddy that. And uh, that now is my constant reminder, all right? Now that... That's my inspiration. That that's my motivation, and and I thank God that you know what, uh, it, it doesn't have to come from a, a a dark place anymore. You know what I mean? It, it, it's coming from an awesome, beautiful, loving place. Uh, all right, and um, that that's what keeps me grounded. That that's what keeps me at peace. Um, yes, you know so, I gotta go get your book now, man. Yeah, exactly. That's the same thing. Unreal. <laughs> Creating your plans for a life that matters. Oh yeah. By Jason Brown with Paul Assay, and uh, and also don't forget that audiobook, guys. Oh no really? doubt about it. Plus, it's backed by Jim Harbaugh, man. All those you had some you had some really good backing on that. It's so oh. cool. <laughs> okay. All right. So another crazy story before you leave. All right, and I think that was in the book. It is that so. I had an opportunity to go back and, and continue playing football. Um, John Harbaugh, still head coach with the Baltimore Ravens, um, he and his brother Jim Harbaugh, they, you know, so Jim Harbaugh wanted me to play out there in San Francisco for for, for the 49ers. John wanted me to play in Baltimore. Um, uh, they wanted me to come and play for the Carolina Panthers as well. And it was the hardest and toughest decision that I've ever had to make in my life. And guess what? I kept them like on the hook for a while because my agent said, look, don't close the door, Jason, just in case you change your mind and want to come back. But I'm like, I can't go back. All right. Like I can't turn my back on God. All right. And then if I went back, I I'd be walking in, in disobedience. Okay. And so, and so right before the draft, I called up John Harbaugh and gave him a courtesy call. He was like, hey, Jason, like, what's your decision? Like, uh, the draft is coming up and we need to know, like, uh, are you going to come back and be a Raven? And I said, look, coach, I'd love to come back and, and play for you uh, and, and be a Raven again. I, I'd love, man, to, I was just being honest, to make a whole lot more money. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And all to pay me millions of dollars. Um, I said, but coach, God is calling me and my family in a different direction. And I'm afraid that if I come back and play for you, coach, that God would punish me the same way that he punished Jonah. Um, oh, God man. sent permission, you know, to, to, to Nineveh. Yeah. And I said, coach, I don't think you would want me on your team under those circumstances. I, I said, coach, it wasn't just Jonah that was punished. I said, it was everybody that was on that ship. That, that was punished well. And then you know what they did? That they said, hey, someone isn't right with God. And guess what? That's, they threw him off the ship. Okay. <laughs> they threw him off. And so I said, I don't think you would want me on your team under those circumstances. 
Wow. And this is from, guess what? This is coming from 2011, a 28-year-old, like, young man, all right, talking to a head football coach, and there was an awkward silence over the phone for a little bit, and he said, well, I guess I have to respect your decision. Like, who who's going to tell a head football coach that, right? Uh, but but um, they went on that year, 2012, to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> they went on that year to win the Super Bowl. Right. And years later, I went back to Coach Harbaugh. And, and I, you know what I told him? He was like, oh, Jason, it's good to see you. I said, hey, Coach, it, it worked out for you that you're not having me on your team, did it? He was like... <laughs> Like, thank you so much. And yeah, man, but you know what? I I have no regrets. I've had countless Super Bowl moments right here at First Fruits Farm. I've had countless Hall of Fame moments and victories right here at at First Fruits Farm. So uh, I'm still full of joy. I'm at peace. You That's are awesome. You are amazing. I, I, I just have to say real quick that, first of all, I know your parents have got to be incredibly proud of you. I know that your brother is incredibly proud of you. And I just have the thing that just kind of keeps hitting me over and over and over again is, and I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the, your your kids could have had two very different pathways in life. Being the being the the kids of a of an NFL player living in a mansion making millions and millions of dollars versus what you're giving them now, no comparison, no comparison. I mean, it's just obvious, like you say over and over again, family is priority to you and kudos to you for, for putting your, the money where your your mouth is. I mean, it's incredible. Jason, you're fantastic. I, I can't, I can't say anything more than that. And I can't thank you enough for the time that you spent uh, and and for the thousands that you've impacted, um, it, it, generationally, man, generationally. So I hope we, I hope that we can, if there's anything that we could do for you uh, moving forward, please please feel free to use, use us as a medium. It would be our pleasure. Thank you guys, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much.